We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Hamm, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Fox 40s sean cunningham what's going on sean oh what's going on james and brendan uh it's a nice morning after uh everyone's excited northern california you got the 49ers you've got a king's preseason victory yeah man it's good times right now all right it is good good times all right and of course brendan nunez from the king's pulse podcast brendan what's going on yeah like sean said uh, i mean beating two LA teams in two different sports on the same night. You can't help but be feeling good this morning. Oh yeah. It's good. Northern California juju, like good juju there. Um, just in case there is some sort of weird noise in the background, I do have tree cutters outside my house. I'll Why? warn everybody, although you can't really hear them. I'm, I'm like, I'm doing a good job of, of cutting noise off from the bar and uh, I'll continue that. That's like, I'm I'm almost ready to build the bookshelves the, for the hidden, hidden bookshelf entry into the bar. Are you um, using those trees? Uh, I will not be using those trees. <laughs> oh, that, that's that's what you call unseasoned lumber. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Let me write that down. Hold on a minute. It's too wet. Un- Got to season it. Seasoned it's too wet, Sean. And I'm not going to build anything with oak, and those are oaks that are falling right now. The oaks are falling. The oaks are falling. The oaks are falling in... In, in the palatial ham estate that's not good <laughs> there it is <laughs> um i'm trying to clear some space for my garden uh so the sun can get to my garden so it happens James so growing it's... cannabis on his property i get you <laughs> i see it's going on up there i, I live at, on the outskirts of grass valley but no i no <laughs> oh, cannabis okay. to be seen here um okay so we do have a ton to talk about today uh just a couple of business things number one if you're watching on youtube give us a thumbs up uh, we've been doing a really good job of getting thumbs up, so thank you everybody for your thumbs up. Also, I've been doing my part. yeah, there we go. Uh, go down below and uh, you know give us a subscription. We're growing this thing crazy. Keep making comments because the comments are hilarious. Um, I've, I've been having a good time with everyone making fun of Brendan. Someone um, thinks this is Terrence Davis, apparently. 
Yeah, what the hell's wrong with people? I don't yeah, know. That's come on. Can you bring that easily recognizable? Of course yeah, I can. Bring it closer. Yeah, here we go. There we are. Always don't you watching. See? Can't you see? Look at his arm around him. What? What? How adorable is that? <laughs> Robert Woodard just got picked up today. It's a good day, fellas. Mm. Oh, really? Robert Woodard got picked up today to OKC. It's the most okay. fitting place ever. Okay, so he got picked up before Hassan Whiteside. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> oh, Marcus Cousins, Jeremy Lamb. Oh yeah, Jeremy Lamb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, brutal. Okay, so yeah, let's just finish up with the business stuff. Uh, number two, we've been gating content on the King's Beat, which is new. Uh, and I thank everyone for jumping on board. We've got a ton of new premium subscribers. The uh, the happy hour is going to be lit. We're still working on the happy hour. It's been a little bit of a mess. It's tough because preseason's going on, but also football's going on. And some people that you might be able to get for uh, football, you know, for basketball are also covering football at this point. And uh, so it's a little muddied on getting a guest, but we will have a guest and we will have an off the record with the Kings Beat Virtual Happy Hour coming up any day now. It's um, going to be lit. It is going to be lit. Caught lit. that, did you? <laughs> Definitely did. Awesome. James just learned new vocabulary. And I'm so proud. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I've, got, I've got teenagers. That's true. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know all the terms. I hear high key all the time. I'm like, the hell is high key it's like it's a difference of low key i think (laughs) (laughs) okay um all right so uh outside of that we've got basketball to talk about um and you know brendan said this before we got on the air but i think the entire show today will be tuesday overreactions um we do have some overreactions um i think you betcha yeah let's start with uh with the six foot eight seven foot two wingspan elephant in the room mr casey akpala um how surprised were you guys to see casey akpala in the starting lineup i guess we had seen it a little bit on saturday but who knows what we saw on saturday uh we saw it like i think uh, one of our friends down in la put up a video of uh, shoot around which again had casey akpala wearing a starter's uh penny um but what are your guys thoughts sean what do you got well, I mean, it's preseason. You're going to try out so many different rotations and see how well guys play together with, with different combinations, and it, this is the time to do it. I think it'll trickle into the regular season as well. I don't think you're going to have totally a set-in-stone concrete lineup, and um, this is the moment to do so. I think uh, certainly I know in the video that I posted and the brief glimpse that we got on Saturday before that, before last night's preseason game and before they left for L.A. is – uh, I mean, he he was definitely a factor and a force in that uh, in that scrimmage inside of the practice facility. And uh, to say he's earned it, sure, perhaps. But um, you just look at the way he used the rotation throughout the throughout the whole preseason uh, game, that exhibition game in LA last night, and he did a really really good job of here's kind of a rotation for the first half. Looked a little clunky at times, uh, actually a lot of times because it was pretty rough basketball. Um, but fortunately, the ball didn't really get turned over too often. And uh, in that second half, it was just like, "Who's next? Come on in, get your six minutes." Uh, and he, he, Mike Brown did exactly what he said he would do, which was play everyone. And I didn't know how he was going to do it. And <laughs> I think he was he taught a master class on how to get everyone involved. So I was uh, very impressed by. 
that more than anything. But in, from, from in terms of the overreaction game that we do, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, Casey Akpala, start him, start him, opening day starter, opening day starter. I mean, right, we Brian, know we know Mike Brown's a defensive oriented guy, and I think this is kind of an example of putting his money where his mouth is. Like Akpala might be the best defender on the roster which sounds crazy and like that has to do with maybe there not being very many great defenders on the roster but i think akpala like you mentioned six eight seven two wingspan like his versatility is is real and there's a part of me that wonders if it could be like a situational thing um down the line because you're playing one of the biggest lineups there is in basketball when you look at lebron james anthony davis damian jones on the other side and Akpala is the one that's out there guarding LeBron from the jump. So I think it's interesting, obviously, for him to fit. He needs to be able to hit open threes at a decent rate, a 35% rate on wide open catch and shoot threes. Like, I think there were even moments yesterday where the spacing didn't look great because they don't care about Fox from three. They don't care about Akpala from three. And Sabonis is just on the interior. So I think that's where the question lies with Akpala because we, at least I feel like we know what he can bring on the defensive end. Um, it's just about offensively, what can he bring? Because there's a guy on the bench that seems to be a pretty good offensive option. Yeah. Okay. So when, again, I, I'm with you, Brendan, first of all, Casey's got to be able to hit the three ball. If he can't hit the three ball, he can't, he can't start. Um, it, it's kind of, it's funny though. Like last season, the Kings had like the grown up version of Casey Akpala, which was Mo Harkless. I mean, basically identical in their height and wingspan and weight and everything else. The difference is that one of them has actually played NBA games and the other one hasn't. Um, if your other four players are good enough to support a non-offensive player, the more power to you. You know, again, I think uh, Matisse Stiebel works in Philadelphia, but it works in Philadelphia when you're playing with Topias Harris and, you know, uh, James Harden and whoever that put at the the two guard, you know, like they, and, and of course the, the big, the big man there in Philadelphia, um, it works there, but will it work in Sacramento? And the only way it does work is if Sabonis and Fox and Akpala all hit their three pointers. If not, you're going to be searching for things very quickly in game. So I can see Mike Brown carrying this into the, into the uh, season, but I will also like go back to my first season covering the Kings and uh, Sean will remember this. Um, the Kings did this, this interesting move, uh, and that was to bring Marcus Landry, uh, the brother of, uh, Carl Landry into training camp. And there was supposed to be this epic battle at the small forward position between Dante Green and Omri Caspi. And, uh, Marcus Thornton started the first two preseason games and then was cut. Um, and it was strictly to push other players, but also to, like look at a placeholder and see what it you, was like. You said Marcus Thornton. I just want to. Oh, sure. I'm sorry, Marcus Landry. Yeah. Marcus yeah, Landry. Yeah. I got you. Uh, yeah, it was Marcus Landry. They started the first two games and then they cut him, um, and, and he didn't make the roster. And I thought that that was number one. It was a bad move when it came to um, dealing with his brother, um, and also I thought Marcus Landry outplayed everybody, and so that was also a bad move. Um, but I, I just like I use this as an example of how. When you're early in preseason, sometimes you are doing things to push other people. Sometimes you're doing things just to see how they look and see how they fit and see if you can get away with it. Um, because I think, you know, at the end of the day, Mike Brown would love to get away with playing Casey Akpala, you know, 20-something minutes a night if 
if it all works. But the chance of it all working with two non-shooters and Fox and Sabonis makes it really, really difficult, in my opinion. I definitely agree with you. And I, I think that if there is a substantial takeaway from like Akpala starting, I, I think that that starting spot should could change. But to me, it probably means that he's going to be in the rotation. Like it could vary what the rotation means. Um, and again, you know, this is all one game sample size. Like, like you said, everything in this episode is going to be an overreaction. I think it's about like what our notes are and do any of those carry over into these next games and become a trend. Um, and I think that with Akpala starting to me that when we're talking about what is the 10 man rotation that Mike Brown said he wants to figure out, it makes me more likely to put Akpala in that 10 when before, honestly, I wasn't sure if he was. Yeah, I, I think, I think it, Sean and I probably ahead. both have the same opinion. We've seen this happen before where you don't put your your five best players on the floor ever. Um, that's just the way basketball works. You want to have at least your six-man should be one of your best five players. Uh, and and so there's possibilities for guys to go from starter to out of the rotation completely. And uh, and I think that that could be the case with Akpala. I think that we'll see other things like if it doesn't work, we'll see, you know, maybe before they pull the plug completely, we might see a Chimezi Metu or a Chima Moneki take that spot and see if they can make it work for a short stint before they actually do go ahead and actually do the right thing and put Keegan Murray into the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, really taking anything away from last night's game or your first few preseason games, I mean, there's certainly things you can you can kind of store away as, as info and seeing how, you know, guys play with one another um what their what their over plus minus is compared to different combinations on the floor at different times that's all fine that's all great i mean that's again that's what preseason's for but don't put anything down in pen because <laughs> again yeah. there's nothing concrete and, and you know it kind of goes back I, I know i spent a lot of time uh talking with mike brown on saturday in that scrum about looking forward to the, the the regular season and what I was trying to get to based on conversations I've been having, which is there's, you know, we know what Mike Brown, <clears throat> excuse me, is typically like, he likes to keep a pretty tight rotation. It uh, doesn't go too deep. We've, we've kind of chronicled that here on this podcast. And I, I asked him straight out if he had got to a place already in this camp. And, and I said, gave him the, the, you know, kind of the warning here that, yeah, it's probably too early to tell, but if he anticipated going deeper than usual uh, into a regular season rotation, then maybe typically he has before. And I thought his answer was really good because I know there's people around the team, uh, within the team, that that think that this this roster should go deeper than a 8, 9, 10-man rotation. And that, that I think there's a belief that they at least play 10. And I think Mike Brown is down with that. I think that's exactly what... Uh, he's hoping to do and to hear him say it already I thought was a um, I thought was pretty encouraging if you if you're in that camp because um, you know I think as this season goes on he might whittle it down a little bit and tighten things up but we all recognize what a long season it is and I think you need to save legs and you need to save uh, you, you need to rely on that quality depth that you've built so uh, I thought it was encouraging to hear him say that that he plans on you know, at least having a 10-man rotation. Maybe it looks like nine on some nights, and maybe it's beyond that, depending upon how the game goes and how he manages it. But um, I, I liked hearing that. I was surprised. Uh, not surprised, but I was a little bit uh, uh, 
I was a little bit, uh, I guess, a little bit surprised that he to- chose to uh, show his hand that way so early in camp. Yeah, I mean, I think his what he had said was that last year with the with the Warriors, that Steve Kerr liked to use an eleven man rotation, and he said, "I I just can't do that." Like I, he's like, "I'll probably do a ten. Some nights it'll be a nine, um, but that sort of nine ten man rotation and number nine and number ten. Uh, they can be different people from one night to the next because he's trying to keep everyone engaged in the process and everybody like still on the same page and wanting to fight the good fight and hoping that they'll practice hard and um, not just letting guys sit there and sort of rot away on the bench. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, it's, it's good. It's admirable. It's what he should be doing. He should keep everybody involved as best he can, especially early in the year. Uh, but there is going to come a point where, you know, injuries hit and other things hit and you have to pull these guys up and and you need them to be ready and you need them to understand everything that's happening. So it's not like retraining and relearning everything, sort of the next man up mentality. The next man up mentality requires that everybody is fully engaged at all times. So when you do need somebody, they can step in and be fully prepared and not take one or two games or a quarter to get acclimated to what's happening. They can just hit the ground running and I mean, it's nice to think that way, but I think it's going to be difficult because once we get past, you know, the standard eight men that we know that are going to play every night, then it kind of gets a little strange. It, like there are plenty of options, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. We, we watched, I thought we watched Mike Brown play a starting five, which I think one of the starting five could get swapped out for someone else at any time. I thought this, the next unit was solid as well. And that next unit was course Davion and Malik Monk um we have Keegan Murray at the three once again which is an interesting development uh Trey Lyles and Rashawn Holmes so that 10 if you put that with the starting five that looks like it could be the 10 that he's talking about and with the one variable being sort of Casey Akpala whether he gets a shot you know yeah and I and I'd point out again the first half was Drek I mean, it, it oh, just wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you may have seen maybe what the initial thought process was there in that rotation, but again, don't put it down in pen for anybody because you saw yeah. how awful that this team can look. I mean, Malik Monk played really erratic. I thought he was actually for as poor as he shot. I thought he was actually still pretty impactful. I mean, he's rebounding the ball pretty well, um, but you know, De'Aaron obviously couldn't he was he was pretty aggressive in trying to shoot and he wasn't doing it too well so um not to pick on those guys or even KZ who didn't really offer offer anything on the offensive end it's these are these are this is just what preseason looks like you know it's going to be ugly you know it's going to be bad but that whole first half of basketball which had the same rotation as opposed to what we saw in that in that second half um that it it was not good I thought they did a good job of kind of getting back in it and you know taking a lead into the into the halftime but it was uh it was really not good basketball though oh no I totally agree Brandon go ahead yeah Mike Brown told us that that one three and five spot is locked in with De'Aaron Fox Harrison Barnes DeMontis Sabonis um and I think it's notable him viewing HB as a three um, I don't know how much of a difference he thinks there is between a three and a four spot, but he kind of implied that by saying the two and the four are still um, up for debate. And I think it's worth noting the first sub was Herter and Akpala coming off the floor and Davion Mitchell and Keegan Murray coming on. So maybe this is a different starting lineup they could be potentially playing with, with Fox, Mitchell, um, Barnes, Murray, Sabonis. Um, so I, I thought that that was 
kind of interesting. And then when it comes to the bench five, I think the one debate that was kind of interesting to me was the backup four. Um, I think Lyles, Metu, and even could you see Moneki getting a spot there? Or could you see someone like Bazemore or Terrence Davis playing the three and then Keegan moving down to the four? So I kind of thought when it came to that bench five, Lyles was the maybe not surprising one to me. I could have still seen him being the choice, but I thought that's where there was kind of some debate. I think the the one interesting key there that we, you know, we probably sh- should discuss more is can Keegan Murray play the three? And I, I think it's really good that Mike Brown's giving him an opportunity to learn at the NBA level through preseason against second team guys. And it even it, it, it sometimes at the preseason level, it's the second and third team guys that are playing that position. So I want to see Keegan Murray play more at that three and see if he can figure it out. Because if he can, I, I don't even know if it means that you, you start him there. But I think it's easier to find a four in today's NBA than it is a three because the Kings have had trouble for years finding a three. Um, but I also think having the switchability between Fox, I mean, between Barnes and Murray would be tremendous. If you can get him to defend the three as well, that's how this team could really, really take take off because it – would allow Mike Brown to do a full switching uh, defense and allow him to do a lot of different things. So yeah, um, and, I, and, and you and you see it, you see it with him. I mean, he's got the ball in his hands kind of a lot, a lot when he is playing the three and uh, advancing the ball quite a bit. I, I think he, from the offensive standpoint, he's certainly looks the part. I think it's just the defense again, like you mentioned, James. Like if he can, if he can do that defensively and guard threes, yeah, he could be a pretty special player right there. Yeah, I, I think it's intriguing. Go ahead, Brennan. I think the thing defensively is, like, I don't know if they have anybody that's really a three, to be honest. Like, I, I think that most guys' primary positions are either going to be the two or the four, and then, like, sure, you can get away with them at the three spot. Like, I think HB and maybe KZ and, and Keegan all can get away with it just fine. Um, but I think that when it comes to what your other options are, Keegan is probably one of the better ones. I think I think I think Herder is another option as well. That's true. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I primarily want him at the two. But positionless basketball, man. I mean, they're, they're, you know, you, you see moments where you could have Trey Lyles at the center position. You know, so if you want to go with a bigger lineup because you don't really have a lot of size to begin with, if you're going somebody like Lyles, Harrison, and Keegan, that's that's pretty decent in terms of guys who who are also being able to put the ball on the floor on the other end as well. So. Um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's definitely intriguing and I think he's got a lot of options, but positionless basketball, I know some people roll their eyes at it a lot because while positionless basketball in theory is great, you still want to have a bona fide three. Um, it, it, I, I you kind of see what they're working with and you can see some interchangeable positions. I still don't buy a 10 man rotation because I just look at the minutes that you're going to need for Mitchell, that you're going to need for Monk and Herter that you're going to need for Rashawn Holmes. And how do you, what do you, what do you mean by explain that? What do you mean by that? You're going to need. Well, because if I, if I look at the minutes that they're going to play, like you're, there's not enough minutes. You can't run two teams out there for 24 minutes each. And, and you can't run two teams out there for, you know, one guy, uh, like half of the guys playing 30 minutes and the other guys playing 18 minutes. Like that's, it's not the way that basketball works. Um, so like, I expect, I expect if Rashawn Holmes is going to be in the rotation, he's going to play, you know, I don't see him just playing 13 minutes a game behind 35 minutes from Sabonis. 
And I, I would go down the list and say the same thing about most of the positions. Like there is a, a major minutes push that you're going to run into. Is it possible that that we only see 24 minutes or 22 minutes out of Mitchell and Monk in the backcourt? I guess. But that's still, yeah. that doesn't leave enough minutes for your two starters. That These aren't... Yeah. These aren't hockey line shifts, right? Like they're not yeah. they're not doing five in, five out. Like it's this'll be this'll be interesting to see. I I mean it look especially with the way Mike Brown has coached in the past and where he's coming from with the Warriors, I don't anticipate seeing that type of play. I think it's just really how things are in the preseason for now. And you're right, I think rotating ten a ten man rotation could be difficult to do. Um but Again, if it depends if you're if you have a three and if you have three you know three games and five nights whatever it is you know one of those um, truncated schedules where all of a sudden you've got just so many uh, games at once I mean that's the time to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think the switching out of things like like we saw two groups and the fact that we saw them again on Saturday at practice and then we saw them on on Monday in game form. That could just be that they were prepping for Monday's game, and then we'll see something different. They have four days before. Uh, they The Kings aren't practicing today. Uh, they might have, like, some walkthrough or some film study today, but they're not having practice slash media availability on, on Tuesday when we're recording this. Um, that leaves Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to get ready for Sunday's game against Portland. And, again, I think we'll see a lot of different looks on, on uh, Sunday's game. And I think – we're not going to see 20 guys play. I think we'll start to see him pare down a little bit. Um, I, I guess once we get past the top 10, um, what did you guys take away from, let's just start with this, the fact that Del Vadova played before Quinn Cook, the fact that he played more than, well, I guess they played sort of equal minutes, but like if we're looking at the different sort of roster battle positions, that's one that I would start with. It's that Del Vadova, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked like he was in command of the offense. Uh, I thought he looked very competent and set up his teammates and sort of had had that group uh, of young players and old players mixed, like playing pretty solid. Yeah, I thought he ran the offense well. I mean, he didn't have any turnovers. He was good at being, you know, one of the first ones on the floor when there was a loose ball. I, I thought that, like, the typical effort that you expect from Delhi is what you got. Um, the shot is still ugly as ever, but it's gone in at a decent rate throughout the course of his career. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that was, that was fine. And Cook's shot wasn't really going down, and that's kind of his primary skill set and sometimes shots just aren't going to fall and we only saw nine minutes for him um i don't know honestly i've kind of gotten to the point with the back the third string point guard where it's like i'm going to trust the coach's decision here and i don't feel too strongly one way or another it's just a difference in styles and kind of what you want in that spot and i've said before like the third string point guard to me if something happens to fox or davion i'm not looking towards cook or delhi's direction Anyways, to be honest, I'd rather go with uh, more minutes to Monk or Herder initiating the offense and kind of running through Sabonis. But yeah, I don't have any strong opinions between the two, to be honest. Yeah, and in the next game, I mean, that rotation might be switched. I mean, you saw Sam Merrill get in there pretty early on as opposed to where maybe they thought most people thought he'd get in there a lot later. So I, I think they just want to see him with other people. Uh, I agreed with you, James. I think um, Delhi looked pretty spry. I know it's <laughs> only one... 
uh, one thing, one game, but it's it's one of those things for me. It's a barometer. I'm looking at him because I have a question mark. I don't know if the guy can still play, but I thought he looked quick and agile. Um, but again, he only played what six minutes or so. So played nine, um, yeah, I nine, mean... yeah. So yeah, it's, it's <laughs> uh, a full third look... more than what you thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, uh, I again, I just don't take much. I think the the biggest, you know, I think if we're going down these things and and, and looking like, oh, this person, what do you think of this person? Like really, the only one that really truly stood out to me is that Keegan still looks like he belongs. Um, I think that was. You know the 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 whether they're playing him in different positions. I think even defensively, um, I like when the ball's in his hands a lot because he looks like he's very comfortable with it. Uh, the shot obviously looks pretty fantastic. So um, you know there were a few guys that that stood out to me, and and I liked some of the the activity. But you know it's it's a really bad basketball game. <laughs> I just have to keep pointing that out to people because I'll, I'll be honest, I was in the 49ers press box. I didn't get to see the, I didn't get to see the game until um, uh, early, early this morning when I got back to Sacramento and uh, there were members in the press box that were very uh, engaged into the, the preseason game. And uh, I, I was kind of, I was kind of shocked by that. <laughs> But, you know. Yeah, it was a pretty good Niners own. game. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, there was a bunch of fans getting their, their ass kicked on the field by, by oh, linebackers boy. and stuff. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happened in that game. Um, okay, so you brought up Sam Merrill. I think the Sam Merrill question was, like, that stuck out. It was like, huh, Sam Merrill's in the, the third group, not the fourth group. And that could have been just because they wanted to break up some of the veterans with young players type stuff. Um, but I also kind of looked at Kent Bazemore. They panned to Kent Bazemore on the bench for like 25 seconds and him just sitting there like deadpan, like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm, I'm playing behind Sam Merrill uh, in a preseason game, and I'm going to be part of the fourth line of, of Kings players to, to get in the game with, you know, Keon Ellis and Namias Keita and Chimo Moneki. And like, I just thought it was, it was kind of, oh, and Quinn Cook. I also thought Quinn Cook looked heavy-footed, uh, not in, like, spectacular shape. Maybe that was just me. He just didn't look like he was full. Like, I looked at Della Vadova, and I'm like, hey, look, he has been in Sacramento for three months working out, trying to get in shape and trying to get ready for the season. And Quinn Cook did not have that same appearance to me. Wow. Yeah. Shots fired. Quinn Cook, take that. Um, no, no, I mean, Sorry. it's, I, I don't, no, I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, no, it's just, I, I, yeah, I don't really have a thought on that. I think that, I think that, I think we're still in the Tuesday overreaction part. No, of course. <laughs> what yeah. it very much feels like. But, uh, yeah, man, like, I, I didn't really, I think Bayes knew he was going to get in. I don't think there was any secret as to when he was going to get in. Um, I, I think Bayes knows what it is. It's also, you know, worth pointing out that, I think they want to see Merrill with certain guys because even if he's cut, he's likely going to be ended up in he's likely going to end up in Stockton. So um, they already know uh, having a summer full of of, of Nimi and and someone like Keon Ellis, and you know I think there's no secret as to what Bays can do. I think they really wanted to see what Bays would be able to do with a inexperienced lineup. I think that could have played a factor there. Um, by the way, did Chima Muneki get his head stepped on? Like that was. Pretty yes. wild. Right under that. Wenyan, just got right up. Yeah. Wenyan stepped all over his head. It was yeah. not very nice. <laughs> I was just I just had that picture in my mind because I think several plays later he went down and 
he blocked was it Stinson? I always forget his Stinson, right? Is that his last name? Stimson. Anyway, I had like a two-handed block on him and then like pointed at him and yelled at him and told him how, how terrible he was at basketball. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed that. That was probably my favorite moment of the game. <laughs> yeah, I she thought was, Chimo was fun. Yeah, he's fun. Uh, which, he, he's always going to be a super high-energy guy. Um, I, I think him coming onto the floor pretty late, Baysmore coming onto the floor late, and Terrence Davis specifically coming onto the floor really late uh, stood out to me. You know, we'll have to see how that continues or if it continues on in, in these next games but td came on the floor really late i thought oh, oh not the first time no he was part of the second group i mean wait, no no he wasn't part of the first 10 he was part of the the next group he played alongside sam merrill with that second team with the third team so it was it was uh del vadova merrill terrence davis uh shimezi metu and alex lynn so, so he did play earlier, I, at least from what I remember. Am I crazy? No, I, I think I get what you're saying, but I thought that there was a chance that he could be in that second unit, and I, I thought that he was just one of those question marks to me, and I, I think it was interesting to see him play a little bit later than than I thought. Him and uh, Chemezi Metu were the two where it was like, I'm curious if they're part of that second five or if they're in the third group. What yeah. do you think, by the way, is is the bigger overreaction today? The way Kings media, the way the media is reacting to and fans are reacting to the Kings win over the Lakers or the way Laker fans and Laker media are reacting to the way the Lakers played and the loss to the Kings? Probably the Lakers. I, I guess, but yeah. I, I would say like they the Lakers, dreadful, bro. They, they didn't look good in the first half, but they were still kicking the Kings down the street i mean oh well yeah because kings were terrible but i'm saying like yeah the kings couldn't hit a shot and they looked like out of out of like sorts in the first half yeah i mean i think you'll hang your hat on the fact that ad looked like ad again i mean he looked i thought he looked pretty pretty good for the most part he was hitting the i hit some threes i mean hit some threes and that you know they wanted it's like they made a note in the broadcast about how every year his three-point percentage keeps dipping um and so they were trying to get him more confidence from the three-point line. Um, I thought 80 was fine for the most part. Um, but, yeah, it's just the Lakers were not good. Yeah, they're they just horrible, which I think is something that we've known. And, like, when it comes to preseason and you're not playing AD and, and LeBron much, like, the, the offense has to run through those guys all the time. And Westbrook, when either one of them isn't out there. So if you're trying to play those guys limited minutes and you're talking about winning Gabriel, like – scotty pippen jr initiating your offense then like it i think it was definitely a tough game for the lakers but i think it's like understandable with them being such a top heavy roster that yeah. 35 to 13 third quarter right was it I think it that's was what 35 it was. to 13 and then i think it was 29 to, to 19, 16 16 16 in the fourth but i mean yeah, la like, had already pulled everybody yeah the kings really. actually they pulled their players after the kings pulled theirs like i yeah. thought that they were still running guys out there even like damian jones playing late in the game i was like what is damian jones doing out there unless they just don't have the bodies um yeah i thought that they were a mess like even who is who's the backup center that they oh thomas bryant i thought thomas bryant was out of control for like yeesh he looked well like he hasn't seen he hasn't seen the floor yeah. in a while. And yeah, just, yeah. I, I had to remind myself, I was like, Jesus, he's only 25. <laughs> like that's That that kind of blew my mind because I felt like he was at least three or four years older. He was really good for Washington before he got hurt. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was playing really well. So, I mean, I think he's interesting. Uh, the fact is that they still don't have enough shooters, and they still don't have anything figured out. I mean, that, that team has a lot of work to do. I, I mean, I think the Kings have a lot of work to do, too. Um, I thought it was good that what you saw was a lot of Mike Brown's principles carry over into that third and fourth quarter where guys are playing hard, guys are playing together. There wasn't a bunch of crazy, selfish stuff. I thought you saw glimpses of why they did some of the moves that they made, um, specifically with Monk. Um, I think him and Davion, Davion being sort of like a, a, a drive-and-kick guy and you know a, a off-ball three-point shooter guy, um, and then Monk being like the creator guy, I thought that that really looked intriguing to me on the court, um, whether they hit their shots or not. I thought Davion was, was pushing. Eh, it was like he, he's trying too hard. And I think a little bit, we didn't really get into this, but we saw the situation play out on Saturday. Like, Sean, you and I have covered this team forever. I've never seen a coach. Like, Careful. Careful. Well, like, <laughs> no, but I, like, I don't think I've seen a coach. First of all, they don't usually let us in for a lot of practice time. But normally if a coach is going to like address a player and sort of, you know, like tear them apart a bit, in in practice they do that behind closed doors they do that where we're not watching not where they bring in the media we look up at the score it's 11 to 1 and then fox hits a three-quarter court shot and it goes to 12 to 1 and then all of a sudden they pull the group in and like uh, mike brown I, I thought that that was an interesting situation where he just told davion mitchell it wasn't good enough like you have to yeah, impact I mean, the game he, you know I, first of all <laughs> Some coaches wouldn't do that, but I think some coaches who haven't done that enable soft behavior. I mean, that's just of course. That's you know, that's that's what enables these guys from being. A, I got a lot of nice guys. Famous Dave Yeager line. Um, you know, it's that is what coaching looks like. And you know what? With respect, he didn't get all over him. I didn't think he jumped his shit. I thought he he was just pointing out. The fact that we need you to be better. You have to be better than that. And he, and you can hear a good portion of that audio, uh, at least on yeah. the video that I shared. Yeah, and mine too. It, it's, uh, uh, if coaches are worried about what the public sees, you're you're not going to last. You're, you're not going to be a good team. I mean, you know, ideally you would have had another player come up and, and, and kind of say those things, you know, or an assistant coach come up and say some of those things. Uh, to bring the group together, I was like, no, that's that's a teaching moment. That's what you have to do, and that's what that's kind of the stuff where I go back to this summer, and, and we're talking about what we anticipate from Mike Brown. Uh, I think you learn a lot when you listen to this podcast because uh, I wanted to allude to the fact that this is he's a very old school coach. He comes from a Greg Popovich tree. Uh, Greg Popovich will light your ass up, and and that's lighting your ass up. Mike Brown has a different, delicate approach but still gets the message across in front of everybody. And again, if you're worried about what the public is seeing and all that other stuff, I think that fuels your your failure, to be honest, because uh, at the end of the day, this is basketball. And if you want to get better and you want your people to learn, and you know, these guys all make more money than the coach does. So you're, if, as a coach, you have to be assertive. You have to command respect. And uh, the minute you lose that respect, you're, your ass is out. So... Um, I liked it. Again, I think some people really overreacted to it. It's not that he hates Davion. It's not that he's, you know, ch chiding oh, no. the guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's even calling out. I didn't like that term, but, uh, you know, I definitely like the fact that um, 
he addressed he, he saw something he addressed it and you move on you know um i don't think there's any carryover to that or anything like that or like davion's like i think they've seen a lot of speculation online and stuff it's it's none of that but um this is this is what these he's a very uh especially with mike brown man like he's a very drill oriented coach you're gonna see drills and drills and drills before you you know sometimes i think in the first day of camp a lot of you've seen coaches before i know luke did this and i'm not trying to you know slap luke around for this because i probably would do it too but very first day of camp you roll out the basketball just let him play and just kind of get it going um you got to start somewhere and i don't think mike did that i think i think coach brown definitely had a uh, a different uh he he wanted to run this team i think he wanted to make sure that that pace is understood uh defensive efforts understood he's just doing a lot of teaching and a lot of drills and this ocd kind of old school structure and discipline approach is is what we came to expect and now we're seeing it we've heard a lot of players talk about him being detail oriented and i think like fox was one that talked about even just when they're um all practicing with one another maybe it's like three on three or something mike brown's watching from the windows up top and can't help but comment on little details and, and cleaning things up and i feel like that's that's what it is with a lot of things it's just cleaning up the details and when you're a team that doesn't have great i mean that's an understatement even but doesn't have great defensive talent um then you have to successfully do all the little things and that's something that mike brown has talked about a lot and he's making sure happens i mean how many times have we heard the wording competitive spirit in like the week leading up to this it's just non-stop for mike brown have the importance of having a good competitive spirit and i i think that the talking to davion like you guys uh caught at practice and and shared i think is an example of that i think we saw yesterday in the game he was really quick to call timeouts there was there was one possession that passed oh, in, boy. at the beginning of the second quarter. Um, they played one defensive possession. Mike Brown had seen enough. There was a blown defensive coverage. Uh, Malik Monk let his guy go right past him. Trey Lyles had had poor help, and Wenyan Gabriel got an easy dunk. Maybe Rashawn Holmes could have been there to help. Hard to exactly tell who it was on. It was poor defensive effort. One possession in that quarter, Mike Brown had seen enough and called a timeout. There's another instance in like late third, early fourth, um, yep. where Chemezi Metu kind of missed a defensive coverage on a dribble handoff um, mike brown called a timeout right away walked up to him and let him know maybe what should have done better uh, was there a different one you noticed sean yeah i thought and maybe we're talking about the same one although i don't think mezzi was on the floor i i saw it was another one involving malik monk where max christie goes right by him uh rashawn holmes is in the third uh, is it yeah it's gotta be a third yeah, Rashawn yeah. Holmes backed out of the paint and he went up right for the dunk and Mike Brown immediately called timeout. Um, you know, that was the one that stuck out like the sore thumb to me outside of the one you mentioned in the first half. I definitely remembered that one as well. Both of them involving Malik, unfortunately. Yeah, I think what we're talking about here is accountability. It's the word that we keep hearing that we've heard for a couple of years. Consistency, accountability. Um, they all point at the same thing, inconsistency. Uh, lack of accountability um, and this team has basically lived in that that space for like a, a long time I thought it was interesting like going back to the the Brown situation with Davion Mitchell at, at practice I mean I, I think you could pretty clear him say hear him say like right off the bat like you got your ass kicked and like you need to figure out a way to be impactful and if you know, you can't be impactful on the offensive end, then, you know, you're the defensive guy. You need to be impactful there. Like, don't give me this, 
like lack of intensity or whatever it might be, like that's not going to fly. And I thought it was, it was interesting to watch that. And then you watch these moments in the game where it's like, look, we talked about this stuff and if like guys make mistakes, but we're going to call you on it. And so I'll like, I coached soccer for a long time. Um, and I coached we with, well, well, no, look, <laughs> I, I coached with a friend of mine and a friend of my, my friend had coached soccer for 25 years. His dad was a coach before him and he grew up with a dad for a coach. And then he was a coach forever. And I would watch us get our ass kicked on a, on a Sunday. And then we'd show up for practice on Monday or Saturday. Um, and then we'd show up for, for practice on a Monday and I knew what, what I saw that we were doing wrong in the game, but like I wouldn't know how to fix it. So I would have just sat there and tried to talk about it. But instead, he would have some wackadoodle drill. And I'm watching this drill. I'm like, okay, this is weird. I've never seen anything like this. And he's, we're doing this drill, and about like two minutes into the drill, I would realize that he was correcting the issue that we had in the game without telling the players that he was correcting the issue. And that's what I think like good coaches do. Mike Brown does he's correcting issues like on the fly but he's doing it in ways where we keep hearing about these drills we don't usually hear about drills like usually you hear about guys doing walkthroughs on play sets and like they start they speed them up and they they do you know different things within the five on five game and stuff but like the drill thing is something that sticks out to me where he's literally working on issues that the kings have by using drills that will tighten those things up and it's kind of an old school way, but it's something like we've heard Dave Yeager, we've heard just about everybody, like how much teaching is needed with this specific team. Like that's what Dave just kept saying. Like, like we're going to run and we're going to beat some people, but we're not a good basketball team. We're just a team that's doing basically gimmicky stuff to win. And while we're doing that, we're trying to teach them the game of basketball behind the scenes. And it's really hard because not everybody moves at the same time like pace and you can't fix everything at once, but it almost feels like that's what Mike's doing right now. He's putting in like these specific drills and like things in the beginning to, to tighten up some of the things that they've always had issues with. And he's not going to accept one guy getting blown by, I mean, I Fox got torched by Russell Westbrook early in the game Mm -hmm. and that's just not okay. Like that's not what this season is going to be about where you just give up, uh, like zero resistance and let a, go, a guy go right to the rack as if it's somebody else's job to do that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, I, I, you know, and I think, I think part of it too is, is Dave would have <laughs> just thinking about Jaeger here. He would have killed to have this team, you know, I mean, the, the basketball yeah. IQ is so much more higher, even, even with Mike Brown having to concentrate on the little things right now and, and, and do a lot of teaching, you know, this is, night and day from what what Jaeger had to deal with um but yeah man it's 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 fun it's fun I, I I like the fact too in the in the way the schedule works out for preseason where you don't have I kind of talked about how a lot of times you'll end up having these preseason games kind of kind of uh group up on one another where all of a sudden you've got uh, maybe two days off in another game or one day off in another game and you just get through the preseason schedule so quickly I like the fact that you've got separation here. You've got several days before your next preseason contest, and that to me is is exciting because the first one comes at you quick. It's a weekend, but you don't typically have a lot of time to go back to the drawing board, start doing re- resuming camp before your next exhibition. Usually, you've got a day or two, and you're worried about travel and all that things. You know, you don't get enough time teaching time, and they certainly have it here in Sacramento. 
selfishly, I'd prefer another game not being all the way until Sunday, but I definitely get where you're coming from. I, I think that it makes sense it being better for the team to kind of review that film and and go back and clean up some of those details that they've already been working on. And I think um, similarly to Jaeger, one of the other things that stood out to me um, was Mike Brown just screaming for them to push the ball pretty much every time they got a rebound. And there's constantly a hand movement of let's go, let's run. Um, and I yep. think that's something to be expected with this team. He's talked about obviously having one of, I guess the NBA GM survey just came out today and Fox came second in fastest player in the league. So how dare they? This year, but I'm still gonna who, say go ahead and, and reveal number one. Reveal no, I saw it. Reveal number one just in case people didn't see it. Ja Morant, yes, ja. yeah, yeah. There you go. Which makes sense. Um, but having one of, if not the fastest player in the league, it obviously makes sense to play to his strength. And they have other guys that work well in transition. But um, the extent that Mike Brown's been yelling for them to run definitely stood out to me in that game too. Group think, Mike Brown now in that category with Luke Walton and Alvin Gentry and Dave Yeager, all of them just did the same thing, waving yelling. their hands like it's like almost like they're air traffic, not air. What are the guys? Not air traffic control, but the guys on the ground where they're directing the plane into yeah, park. The, like this guy, yeah, just go. Like they're just, they're, <laughs> it's it's terrible. Like it, you got to keep your foot on the pedal, and and even in preseason because it's it's going to it's going to matter. It, it feels like to me that this preseason game came way earlier than most preseason games. Like, that's that's why I think this one, like, first of all, the team is going to be pretty rough because we they'd only had four days of practice or whatever. Right. Well, we had media day on, uh, on Monday. We had training camp on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They took Friday off. Uh, Saturday, they had a short practice on Sunday. So we're looking at five days of practice. Um, before you actually suited up and, and played a game. I don't remember that being the case before. And I remember even like back-to-back preseason games, like like a Tuesday and Wednesday preseason <laughs> game. And and then, you know, if you're only playing four games, that leaves you so much time. So I think it's pretty good. I think that they're going to get in this, and then they have another break, and then they've got FanFest. Uh, FanFest, I think, is on Sunday the 16th. So if you're a fan and you want to go out and see this team, um, I think you can get – tickets for free on kings.com i'm almost positive so just go and do that um but yeah it's definitely it's spaced out different they have one last game and then like another three or four day break i remember one season where i think it was like two years ago where they had like five or six days after their last preseason game until the start of the season and that felt like too long for some of these guys it was like okay we need to go and punch somebody else um okay so by the way by the way i'm actually really curious to see what that fan fest looks like i mean you think about it's been years since they've really been able to do a fan fest because obviously you've got the pandemic and i just i saw a video of that um the one that they did in phoenix and and it had a tremendous turnout i mean the whole lower bowl was filled i don't think they even made the upper bowl available but that was just an open practice kind of a similar vibe i think that's fan fest they're putting a lot of um some some different kind of uh, entertainment stuff available to fans in this one. And I'm just really interested in seeing what it looks like and seeing fans engage with players again, because I know that's so important to a lot of fan bases. So I'm curious to see what FanFest will look like for a free event and see if people will actually show up. Are you I mean, you know people they... are going to show up, but like, I want like, I would like to see it sold out. I really would. I'd like to see every seat filled. Hmm. Is this where they always do something to embarrass the rookies? Yeah, it's usually like the rookie dance off. The dance off. Keegan's going to be the most awkward looking thing. It's going to be great. 
I don't know. He's much better at every single thing than we think he's going to be. This is very true. I'm going to figure that he's going to go out there and you're going to be like, oh, seriously? Like, Like, I don't know. Do you guys have a nickname for him yet? Keegan. Yeah. Keegan. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no. Uh, Key maybe people would probably call him Key. I don't I don't know. I've heard him I heard him kind of rattling through some of the things that that he'd been called, but nothing was like super out of the ordinary. I just people really get into nicknames, don't they? It's really uh, I'm funny. I'm sticking with smooth operator. <laughs> you do that. That's, that's what sure that's gonna, I'm does. sure that's going to We'll see. Just catch. We'll see. Quick know. question. Was Rashawn Holmes not wearing his goggles? Somebody pointed this out to me, and I was thinking back. I don't think he was. Was he not? Oh, I don't know. It's See, hard I had this exact You keep thinking <laughs> someone was wearing goggles with. Well, with, Chima uh, definitely was, but with his hair pulled back, and it was. I know Chima was. I. Was Rashawn told not? us he was going to. He said he was going to from here on out. He said that even early in camp. He said that again. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he was. Um, but obviously not the important thing with Rashawn. I thought it was just an interesting note because he said he was going to. I could be remembering this wrong, but somebody said he wasn't. And then when I tried to remember, I didn't remember seeing him in goggles. Um, but on the point of Holmes, I didn't think he looked great. Um, I know it's just one preseason game, and I think there's a lot of guys that are um, going to take some getting used to with him, specifically like Malik Monk running a two-man game with him, I think is going to take some getting used to. I think there's a really big difference in trying to run the offense that they're running with Sabonis compared to Holmes. And I think that that factors in, but I thought that Holmes looked uh, a little bit rough at first. He ended up getting, I think he had back-to-back lobs on two possessions in a row. And yep. um, when teammates are able to set him up, he finishes plays. But I think that getting the right guys in that second unit to set him up is maybe going to be a little bit of a uh, learning curve, but of course, just one game. You know what I thought was um, Keegan Murray passed the ball better than I had seen him pass the ball. Like I saw him look for some passes that I didn't think that he would have caught. And so I think that they're actually going to use, I mean, Keegan talked about this like early in camp or at media day, I can't remember which, that he'd been playing out of the high post a bunch. And I think that they're actually going to use Keegan Murray with that second team as like a Sabonis light. Like they're going to play the ball through him and let him create for others and himself. Um, so, I, you know, that's it's one of the reasons why they probably haven't just elevated him right to the starting lineup. Although, like I, I'll just keep telling people, like if he's in the starting lineup, he's like the, the fourth or fifth option in the starting lineup. So, like, it doesn't really help him to go into the starting lineup right now. I think there will come a point where he does move into the starting lineup. But I also think once he starts, like, the the true rookie of the year buzz starts during the season, like, the Kings are going to fall in love with that idea, and he's going to move into the starting lineup sooner than rather than later. I think him being in the starting lineup is more about unlocking the other players rather than unlocking his own game personally. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the problem. Like, if you're the fourth or fifth option, you're just not you're not part of a lot of things. You're going to be a floor spacer and a guy that can impact the game for sure, but you're also not going to get just the sheer opportunity. You're not going to have the ball in your hands. You're not going to be able to move around and do all that stuff. Sean seems to be, like, checking hey, if yeah, Sean out. has his goggles on. Yeah, I was looking at the play, and he's got his, his face turned the other way, but it looks like he has <laughs> goggles there. I thought I saw him with goggle goggles. gate. I okay. Think he has, I th- well, glasses or whatever. 
Yeah. Okay. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They uh they look like like Oakley like clear frames. They're just yeah. they're they're non prescription. They're there just so he doesn't get poked in the eye. And I remember reading a story years ago about um Kareem Abdul Jabbar that he got poked in the eye so many times that his um like his eyes stopped making like the proper moisture mm-hmm. and he got like a condition where his he has constant dry eye because he had been poked in the eye so many times and they had damaged like his ability to create like the lubricant that's on your eyes. It's not, not a good, a good thing. So I hope that, you know, again, Holmes is stepping up and doing something about it early, but he's also, I mean, a lacerated eyeball, like, Oh Jesus. They had to stitch his eyeball. Think of that. People get cringy. Stitch. Stitch. (laughs) Um, Okay. So uh, let's see, let's do the business of basketball. Um, I just want to ask this. We talked about the overreactions. Um, is there anything that you took away that you thought was a really good sign for this team that like stood out that like, Hey, okay. Like if that's who they're going to be, or that's what they're going to do that, you know, that's encouraging, or this team has some sort of, uh, you know, promising, you know, future. First and foremost, nobody got hurt. That was great. (laughs) That's the biggest takeaway. Um, no, I mean, look, the effort's there. I, I think for the most part, the effort is there. I think it has to still be um, drawn out of them a lot more than it, it, rather than it just coming naturally to some. But again, you didn't see a whole lot of bulk minutes. So uh, as for as clunky as that first half was, I feel like, uh, you know, the longer we go in through the preseason, you're going to see some these minutes extend for some of the normal guys, some of the normal rotation players. And, um, It'll be interesting to see the evolution from the one game we have to where they finish up the preseason with the Lakers on the 16th. No, that's Fan Fest. Right before the right before they tip things off on the 19th of the calendar in front of me, but they finish off with the Lakers. So just to see how things look drastically different from that first preseason game to the next, I actually think there's a um, a level of compete as Mike Brown calls it. I think there is that within this team. I think they have a very big competitive spirit and uh i sometimes you in this early going you tend to see guys do too much um and certainly that was on display last night i don't think you'll see well i hope you i hope that's part of the evolution you don't see uh by the final preseason game where a lot of that hopefully is cleaned up yeah i feel like the primary takeaway kind of has to be keegan murray for me i mean we knew that he was the an NBA-ready guy coming in, but I think just seeing more proof of that is nice. And at some point, the asterisk won't exist. Before it was, it's just summer league. Now it's just preseason, um, and those are reasonable asterisks that, um, yeah, are, are said for a reason. But at some point, it won't exist, and as he keeps going up, he still looks like he belongs, and he's going to make a substantial impact. Um, I thought that he did – all right. He had his moments on the defensive end. I think he had moments where he definitely could have been better too. Um, but he had some pretty promising moments on defense too. So I think that Keegan definitely uh, looks like he can make an impact pretty quickly. Yeah. Okay. I, I like all of it. I mean, to be honest, I thought the offense was clunky. I thought that, uh, especially the starting unit, I think, you know, Mike Brown wants to get away from the pick and roll is like a crutch. And in doing so, he's probably taken away his best, 
like offensive combination weapon in Fox and Sabonis. And I, I know they'll get back to it, but like they're trying to do a lot of read and react and a lot of, you know, motion off the ball and, and not just these little two man games and pick and rolls because, um, they, you know, all of them have said it. Yeah. You know, we get limited by just doing pick and roll every time. So I, I think they'll get back to the point where they do do quite a bit of pick and roll. But as of right now, I think that that could be something that helped make them look better, um, for right now. And, and so I'm okay with them not doing it. Um, outside of that, um, you know, I thought it was interesting. Sam Merrill played as much as he did. Um, I thought that I want, I, w- I want to see more Chima and see what he looks like with different groups. Um, and I want to see if they end up playing Keegan more, uh, with that starting five, um, because I think that's where he's going to end up. And I think he'll end up closing games. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that they're, they're fully going away from it right now and kind of having him with the second unit um, so early. And we'll have to see how that looks like in a week or two weeks or, you know, come opening night. And I'll say wonder, Mike Brown said the guys that um, were going to play heavy minutes probably weren't going to play after the second half. And uh, just to more points about KZ, KZ didn't play a minute in that second half, I don't think. He wasn't even mixing in with the other group. No, I mean, logic. <laughs> no, no, I get what you're saying, though. I get what you're saying. Like, he only played 10 minutes, and he didn't play. Like, you're right. Why wouldn't he have, like, maybe tried to put him with the third unit for a little while? But I think it's more because he didn't come back with his first unit. If he would have come back with his first unit, there's a possibility we would have seen something different, just as he kind of mixed and matched that, that, uh, that four spot. I also think it was the balance of minutes, too where in him in him managing the minutes for each player having them at least play six uh had he played him longer it's at the expense of someone else and he already played enough in that first half to where you know maybe that's different in the next game we'll see but um i i just think it's a managing of minutes really yeah okay um all right do we have any final thoughts i know sean you went to the 49ers game we had the crazy (laughs) fans running on the field and getting clocked by people yeah Um, i also Deshaun, did you see that the the first guy who was chasing the guy with like the pink, uh, like whatever <laughs> that thing was, that the one of the security guards looked like he totally blew out his ACL. So it was a co- it was a coach. It was um, Anthony oh. Edwards, I think is is the name because I remember we were talking to Kittle about it last night because <laughs> my first question to him was Bobby Wagner laid a helmet on that guy. Would you have helped the security crew too? And uh, he, he he says, "Oh, that'd be awesome!" Like he was all about it because, you know, he's all about professional wrestling and all that kind of stuff. I think he's looking for a scrap. So, yeah, no matter how good your message is, it's not worth running out on the field for. So there was two. There was a man and a woman. The woman was first. She got absolutely annihilated, uh, and it didn't make the the <laughs> didn't really make the videos uh, because it happened so quickly. She never got to the field. Like the minute she stepped onto the to the turf i mean she got bulldozed um the guy especially if you saw the picture after and, and for i and by the way i think you deserve a night in the clink when you run out onto the field what's this just giving them a citation like you just had a like you just parked like an asshole on the street and, and like <laughs> no, no, no 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 you just ran onto the field you screwed up the game uh brought some entertainment to it i will agree it's trespassing um, yeah, yeah, but just a site, a ticket, and then you just you're free to go. No, 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 I don't like that. Anyway, uh, yeah, he looked like he got mangled, and it and it wasn't because of the hit. It was actually because um, 
of the burn from the smoke that of that thing. I guess there was a oh. the, like a chemical burn or whatever. I don't know what the hell it was, but um, some of it kind of came from that. And yeah, the the field got had a nice permanent indentation or divot or even a burn mark even on the grass from that that smoke stuff. So just just wow! Don't run out of the field, people. I thought it was like one of those uh, gender reveals. That's what it, it looked like. That's what everyone was it's saying. A, it's a girl. It's a girl. But good. <laughs> like, sorry about that. You just got killed. Uh, Bobby Brent, Wagner, though. I mean, ready to go. Just, just. Yeah. The other guy, the, 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 and I think he's doing well, but he, he popped his hamstring, is what, what we were told. Oh, that's what that was? Yeah. Oh, it looked he was like pissed. his. Poor guy. It looked it like looked his like a right knee. ankle. He couldn't put it down. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Brendan, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I will say nothing will beat um, the fan gluing their hand to the floor in Minnesota. Like that is just the wildest thing I've ever heard. Um, but my final thought is that uh, Keon Ellis is currently averaging 10.3 oh, blocks and 5.1 steals per 36 minutes. So I think he should probably get some more run. <laughs> oh, I, I actually agree with you. I, he I was actually really good. I don't want to be over dramatic yeah. here, but he had like three uh, or two blocks in three minutes, countless deflections. Okay, calm, calm down. He might have just, airballed just a three. Tone it but... in. Just saying. Just <sighs> okay, Brendan, my final just thoughts. Super um, excited. Okay, I like yes. the fact that he so, got to meet his hero the other day. Okay, Sean. Sean. <laughs> this is definitely... Listen yeah. to his giggle. I tell you, this is, he gets so giddy <laughs> about this. Look at that. Who laughs like that? He, he is so it's just excited. my laugh. It's just my laugh. <laughs> We're waiting after a practice, and Keon walks through. And Sean decides to be like, hey, Keon, you got to watch out for this guy. He might be outside at your house one of these days. Oh, no. And I was like, yeah, what is this? And I just had to play it (laughs) off like I just like defense. I don't know what to tell you. But he's the best player to ever wear number 23. So there it is. Which is Uh, amazing that that number is available. Like nobody had it. And he just switches and he can get 23 like that. That's crazy. That is kind of crazy. Um, okay, I, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna finish. My final thoughts are gonna be on it's. I mean, it it is it's killing life. more trees. No, it's life. Um, okay. Jim Redman, uh, the father of Derek Redman, um, he was the uh, the 400 meter semifinalist in the 1992 oh, yeah. Olympics. Uh, Derek Redman blew his uh, blew his hamstring in the Olympics. And um, it's the incredible video that you see where the dad rushes out and finishes the Olympics with him. Um, so Jim Redman passed away today at age 81 and uh, provided an incredible, an incredible moment for all of us, especially those of us with kids and who put in time and labor and all those things into the sports that our kids play. So shout out to Jim Redman, uh, RIP. That's, that's my thought for the day, um, you know. A good moment, and uh, all of these people that we cover, they have parents who have put so much time and energy into what they do, uh, just like so many other people around. You know, it took a lot of people to get Sean where he is and Brennan to where he is, and so shout out to all the people that helped us get where we are. Um, that will be one. my final thought for the day. Um, I'll throw okay. one more in all real right. quick, a different final thought. Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama play today Oh um, yeah. at 7 p.m., so I don't know where it's being aired. If it's being aired, it'll be aired. Come on, I'm, Brendan. I would think so, but you never know. I heard um, something about um, the G League has an app, and it might be there. Um, but I, I assume that like the four letter word will have it up and going. Um, 
They'll have yeah. two games. I think they play today and then on the 6th, I believe, is the next one. I could be wrong with that second game, but they're going to play two games against one another. And uh, both projected number one and two picks in this upcoming draft. So do you want to read us, an exciting uh, one? You want to read us Victor's quote? Oh, shoot. I don't have it in I, front of I me. I know you love that quote. I saw you retweet it. It was I'm so good. Forward to this now. Don't let us down. I need to know what he said. Oh, okay, yeah. Let me find this. It's been built up too much. So I've heard Scoot is one of the most amazing people to be around in the history of, of he's pretty, the game. He's pretty bright. Yeah, very he's very bright, bright but he's also yeah. a really good kid. And um, like people who are around him think he's going to be an incredible player. What do you got for I think it's going to be odd if you went, you're talking to him and you go, hey, Scoot. <laughs> Just doesn't. A little bit well, different. Didn't go get, ahead. It was awkward with Jimmer, wasn't it? Yeah, especially <laughs> thanks, Jimmer. <laughs> just that would be one of the that was Dar- the the great Darren May who would, Darren uh, May. Thanks, Jimmer. during his after his interviews. Thanks, Jimmer. <laughs> okay, okay, the Brandon. quote from Victor Wembanyama on Scoot Henderson: "Quote, he's a really great player. If I was never born, I think he would deserve the first spot." End quote. Oh wow, there you great, go. legendary. He's already. It's, it's like the backhanded compliment. Yeah, Victor. <laughs> Reached out with his eight foot wingspan and <laughs> smacked him around. What a from nice a, guy! From across the room, he untied his <laughs> shoes and slapped his face a couple of times from twenty five feet away. Yeah, thanks. Sorry about that. You better back it up. Um, yeah, I mean it's pretty incredible to watch that. Um, sweet. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's nice. Beat Podcast. We are back to two episodes a week. Uh, like we were last week, we will see you probably Thursday. We'll work it out. Um, we're still working on the King's Beat off, off the record with the King's Beat virtual happy hour, but there will be one in the next coming weeks, um, especially before the start of the season. we got to get one in, um, so that look out for that. Thank you to all the new premium subscribers to the King's Beat. If you are not a premium subscriber, make sure to lock in because we're gating content left and right, but also you need to support the people who are going out there and doing work and creating content for you. That's the way the world works. So uh, for Fox 40's Sean Cunningham and the King's Pulse podcast, Brendan Nunes, I'm James Hamm, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. See you later this week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.